on my time, I can reclaim it. Reclaiming my time. The solution is with women. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I say jump back, honey, jump back. You got to decide. Do you want to be Nat Turner or Ike Turner? You do not get to be both. Hi, everyone. This is Uchechi. And I'm Aisha. And this is Inside the Pink, where we take a deep dive into the pink folds of a woman exploring the experience inside and out. Yes, we do. So, Aisha, how are you doing today? Ooh, it's a good day and it's a good topic. It is. It's a little... um Risqué? No, not risque, but I think it's like it's not very what people would consider as connected to a woman unless mm-hmm. it's inside of a woman or on a woman or on a woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Ouch. what are we talking about? My eye. <laughs> oh God. You're so childish. <laughs> All right, for real. What we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, because I know you're listening to, is sperm. Sperm. All that yes. white, gooey, icky stuff that, that stuff. comes out of your lovely penises. Mm-hmm. Like waterfalls. Maybe not waterfalls. Yeah, or maybe like not a, waterfalls. Maybe like a... Like a, 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 a faulty spout. Okay. Yeah. Spurts. Spurts. Yes. Spurts. That's, That's a good it. word. Yes. Okay. Our society has made synonymous semen and sperm, mm-hmm. but they are really actually two different things. Semen is actually seminal fluid that contains sperm, which is short for spermatozoa, and it's secreted by the sexual glands in people with male organs. And then the sperm is the actual re- male reproductive cell and is derived from a Greek word, sperma, meaning seed. Mm. Sperm is the actual seed that fertilizes the ovum. Sperm is the only cell with the destiny to be cast forth into a foreign environment. So other Mm. cells are meant to stay where they're at. Whereas sperm, it's really only meant for fertilization. There's really nothing else it's meant to do. That's so much. That's so fascinating. There's nothing else. And you think about how much sperm over the course of a man's life is just on Kleenex tissues, on literally waiting to be cast Um, cast out the body what is it flow back flow back when a woman expels the sperm Mm -hmm. afterwards i forget aka cream pies pies. what is it oh the wet spot flow back when a woman's body a cream pie yeah oh yep it's a cream pie right Mm -hmm. when When a woman just physically or bye visibly expels expels the sperm oh it is called the ding on cream pie in porn thank you uchachi you're welcome. <laughs> Your residence porn expert. Um, <laughs> little known fact: I, I read somewhere that a man in a single insemination, if you will, each sperm could populate like the entire United States. Like it's so much sperm in just one insemination. Two hundred fifty million. Not a lot. God, that's hey. ridiculous. But only a couple hundred actually make it to the egg. Exactly. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting as having this. Uh, discussion with the with a man and i was like you know a woman gives her body he's like no i give you something i was like what we have is a different value like all little spur like a supply in terms of supply and demand <laughs> like i got this one little egg that comes once a month viable for one day you got billions of sperm (laughs) and even the viability of sperm is really the idea that we have that that sperm is so viable it's actually based in patriarchy Mm. because it's not as viable as we think it is Mm -hmm. it's actually a very fragile cell yeah yeah yeah. very fragile um and that's why there's so many 
it's not necessarily because they're meant to sow the oats as so they say it's literally because like it's such a fragile cell that it can easily be destroyed or fall apart so in order to give humans a chance Mm. preach we are that's that evolution has given you just enough to figure out like one of these have to make it yes <laughs> it gave you a lot of chances just a lot of chances lot of and 200 chances. it's 250 million chances that's yes. the healthy sperm count sperm count for a healthy male mm-hmm. um, adult male it's essentially what they call the luck of the draw when it comes to sperm like you can none can make it one can make it three can make it yeah um, it gives you a lot of respect for for life as well too exactly it's really just understanding how intricate life really is at the end of the day i read somewhere that over the course of like a lifetime people would might have sex like three thousand times over the course of a lifetime I, i can't count but they say when you do the math excluding like modern contraception like you probably have an average of like seven children which is to say that of all those ejaculations a lot of ejaculations just aren't going to make it no like basically you just have sex throughout the course of your life naturally no contraception they're saying seven on average i'm because i know their families with like lots and lots well i'm even thinking about that and i'm like even a family with 12 children think about it 250 million possibilities yes that's that's not a lot it when you think about it, it, you may, it really, like I said, it makes you realize just how fragile everything is, mm-hmm. how fragile, you know, the ovum is, how fragile the sperm is, and just how, like, treacherous this journey is to fertilization. Yes, yes. Um, one of the things that we're, we've come here to do is mm-hmm. to kind of consider, like, what sperm is, not only for a man, but for the woman it enters or you know the space it enters in order to fertilize Mm -hmm. yeah i would say that because we were talking about this before this and then we were saying that the woman has a a great role in uh, how the sperm behaves or if the sperm can reach exactly her womb understanding of sperm is intricately related to understanding of the female reproductive system Mm -hmm. and this requires us to remove sex and bias in sexual research. Mm-hmm. So in order to understand, really truly understand sperm, because the whole reproductive um, systems, this research of it is still in, still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because we still have a lot of bias concerning men and concerning women and what their parts are in, in the reproductive process. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Anybody who's ever had a pregnancy scare knows that sperm can be viable in a woman for about five days. <laughs> Which is why Plan B is Plan like, B is. It, it, it's like they tell you you can take it within 72 hours. Yes. It was viable for five days. And that's why, you know, there are also people who don't know who the baby's father Some is. Some studies have shown nine days. Nine days? Nine. Ooh, what kind of... Sperm is that super that that sperm has little s's if and you put a mic in my and that's the thing it's <laughs> not the, the sperm that makes it allows it to last for nine no it's, it's the, the environment cervix. it's the environment oh it makes sense the cervix recognizes it as viable sperm and mm-hmm. holds it that's interesting yeah especially if the woman is closer to ov- is uh, closer to like ovulation mm-hmm. the bot her body is like well the whole point of this process is to get fertilized so mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold on to the seed. Until it actually happens, which yes. is why, like, people will say that I didn't have sex forever. And then all of a sudden, like, they get pregnant. 
it's mainly because the cervix was holding onto these and then was releasing was like it was like it's like timed release like a time yes. release capsule think of like Tylenol or something like that that says that they have time release it's essentially what the cervix does a lot of times with yes. sperm so it, some studies have shown like nine days of holding sperm that now which is that crazy. right there is crazy that's crazy I didn't know I, I've never even read that that's scary can a little you bit. imagine like having sex with your like mate that's scary and then like hating them and like you know like hate sex or something and then like getting pregnant from them a week and a half and later and you don't even think you probably wouldn't even think about it I'd be so upset <laughs> yeah I would the cervix is a beautiful thing so we, there was a discussion before the discussion guys so we're talking about how and we're going to get a little bit into the disputed literature um, bef- uh, in just a moment but both Uchech and I arrived at the conclusion that the woman's body is immaculately engineered and, and that cervix plays a huge role I mean even when a woman orgasms there's almost like a vacuuming action that allows uh, basically the, the more of the sperm to enter the woman, meaning that if a woman's comfortable with that that mate um, and has an or- enough to have an orgasm, she has a better shot at, um, well, that sperm has a better shot at meeting the womb. But the, the cervix dips down during the process of sex. When when you first enter, the, the vagina is not a tunnel. It's like two walls pressed together. And then as it starts to get good... <laughs> You kind of like open Create, up, yeah, an opening, and there's like sort of like a right angle, and that's the cervix. And during it, it kind of like tilts down a little bit, and it's really we were saying before, like the mucus that actually helps carry the sperm up, up, and up, up, yeah, up and away, and not even all at once. Like there's some that go immediately there, and then there's some as you were saying that's that held by the it's held in crypts in the cervix, what's called crypts in the cervix, and it's covered by the mucus. So the cervix and the vagina act as protectants and act as a barrier so mm-hmm. if you are not so if the sperm is not viable it's going to destroy it if mm-hmm. it has any abnormalities the cervix and it's not that the cervix it's like almost like it just won't survive the environment that's really what it is but if it can't if it is viable this, it will be protected by the cervix because like i said the body outside of our brain our body is looking at this as something to that is supposed to be done mm-hmm. um it's not it's looking as it like this belongs here because it's meant to do this yes also, I think like this whole discussion, like we're going to be talking about the the eggs and the sperm. And I think it's interesting that the body is we're, we're wired to pass on our genes and to survive. And we always think about like our conscious behaviors, but I almost think that our body is wired to do certain things. And it almost uses our, our conscious mind to get us to do what it needs us to do. Mm. If that makes sense, in some ways, the the for example, a woman having an orgasm and 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 taking in more of a man's sperm when she has an you know orgasm, possibly anyway, you know, it's the body really in in our mind. It's like oh, we enjoy him. This is you know, I like him a lot. But our body's like we like him and we want to have his baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> Or even I read this like a woman, okay, she cheats on her husband and no condom. So obviously she has his sperm and then she comes back and to, you know, home to daddy and she sleeps with him. So consciously, this is what I've read consciously. She's doing it to be like, Ooh, this is where this is. This is my long-term partner. Let me go make sure everything's right at home. And if there's any like flow back, let me make sure he thinks it's his and let me like, you know, oops, I messed up, but let me go home and make things right with my boo. They say subconsciously, your body, and it's about to get into sperm wars, your body is basically saying, 
shoot, let, let's get both the sperm and see which sperm is healthier and, and more viable and let the body decide whose baby you should have. Yeah, I think that's that's fair um, mm. because there is there is dispute that one of the reasons we even have the idea of sperm wars is because um, men. Honestly, you guys think that you have a really big part in this when you don't. <laughs> it's not that, and so this is not to say that men, your body doesn't mean anything in the regards of creating a human being. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. It's funny how while the woman carries the child, we've placed a lot of emphasis on the sperm. And Mm -hmm. in a way, and historically, while the sperm seems to have a lot of emphasis on it, we've always punished the woman Mm -hmm. for whatever happens to the child that she is carrying. And when in reality, the sperm is four times more likely to carry genetic mutations than the ovum and is more likely to be the cause of any issues that this an embryo might have. Mm-hmm. Even today, we all know about basic genetics and we'll still look at a woman and be like, ah, she can't have boys. And it has nothing to do with her. Like, boo, if you don't get your non-genetic self, <laughs> like, like, you better tell him her. to come up with a different chromosome other than X. Yeah, it has <laughs> nothing to do with her. Yeah. Um, we... We, it's crazy. Our whole our look at sexual health and sexual history, and even the way that we look at sperm, is so based in patriarchy that we've forgotten to recognize. Okay, well, how does it operate within where it's going? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the and then it's why now, as we study more, we're starting to realize that the ideas of sperm competition and sperm um, wars is not as a uh, dramatic. It may not be as dramatic. We know that on a macro sense, sperm war ex- absolutely exists. Just in the sense that men are, Invested. the history of civilization is men competing for resources in order to get right. access to sex. Like, we don't want a macro level. These dudes are competing. We also know that ever since we like, understand understood paternity, there's been an obsession with men to make sure that they're, like, not raising somebody else's kid. Uh, right. Though evidence supports that even today, there's a lot of that. A lot of men who are raising kids have no idea that it's not. 15 percent of men are raising men who are are raising children that aren't theirs and they think that's theirs. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the reasons why we have this cultural obsession with like, oh, it looked like just like his daddy. When a baby comes out. Have you ever seen that? So apparently there's this, there's this, um, and I, this could be disproven, but I've read when I was in school and I had these amazing plans to go to medical school. <laughs> you would have been a fabulous, by the way, you would have been that doctor, FYI. But that's cool. You, you, you're you doctoring our minds. I changed my mind. Bodies, I changed. Yes. I just, life took me in a completely different turn, but I'm still using somewhat of my science degree. Yes. But anyway, so one of the things that came up um, in a couple of biology classes was the evolutionary basis behind a child looking like their father, especially at birth. Mm-hmm. So apparently for a lot of animals in order for the child not to be killed or to survive their father looking like the parent is what saves them but is it looking like the father looking, looking like, like the parent? father because so the mother is usually the one who bears a child so there is the supposed connection between the mother there because she's the one who had to like bear the child so there's going to be the it. protection saw it yeah. <laughs> the father doesn't have that type of connection with the child so where the connection comes from is from looking like the child i've noticed and this could be because I've read this, but mm-hmm. I I do notice that a lot of babies, when they're born, they do look like the father in the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden things change. That's so true. So, but like. That's interesting. 
which is why I don't, and I also could be completely wrong because I've given up on babies like babies. They like blobs with eyes to me. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> like, he, that's his daddy's nose. Like this like, baby really? looks just like every other baby I'm looking at until about a couple months. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the studies show that the reason that it's, there's a biological reasoning so that the child is survived, like is taken care of by both parents and not killed by one oh, of them. that's so by interesting. The father. Yeah. Can I get this random, random anecdote? Apparently, we're going to talk a little bit later about the concept of fatherhood, but it's said that we misunderstand fatherhood and like other primates and we assume what we're seeing is acts of fatherhood, but mm-hmm. it's really not. So apparently, chimpanzees and it's some other primate, a lot of times they'll like carry around their young mm-hmm. and it looks like they're trying to get close to their young but it actually offers them protection like because they're less likely to be attacked if they're carrying they're around young. young so it's real trifling because it looks like they're carrying around the young to protect their baby but they're actually using the baby to protect them oh so it's like men who carry children <laughs> to attract women yes i'm like oh so this stuff is across like it's beyond humans mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> anyway so back to sperm wars okay so uh 1995 is a book called human sperm competition copulation masturbation and fidelity published by dr mark bellis and dr uh robin baker both uh, evolutionary biologists and so what it does is it takes the macro concept of you know male competition the idea that a man wants to not only pass on his genes but also ideally prevent the woman from mating with other men who might Um, impede on his ability to pass on the genes with her Mm -hmm. and it takes it from the macro level which we see to the micro level and it says it's happening at the sperm level so the idea is that if a man ejaculates and there's like 300 million sperm maybe 150 million of those sperm actually contain dna and are actually capable of if they can make it through the trek um, in penetrating <clears throat> that egg and creating a zygote. And it's saying that the other sperm, they have different shapes and different functions. So there may be a sperm that some sperm have a coily tail. Some sperm may have, like if you look at the microscopically, a bloated middle. And their job, they're not really viable sperm, but what they can do is sort of be in those crypts and in theory prevent or make it at least harder for another for other a woman to um, receive other sperm if she's you know indeed having sex with multiple men and it also says that there's some sperm that actually have <clears throat> contain like a toxic material and they're lethal to other sperm so their job is not to impregnate the uh the ovum their job is literally to if there's another man's sperm um present Uh, at that time it would actually be toxic to that other sperm so the idea is that not only are men on a macro level competing uh, for access to women and also attempting to reduce competition from other men hence modern marriage but that this is actually happening on uh, the micro level so that's the concept of sperm wars and it's contested and Uchachi can take us into why that's contested so one of the reasons that this theory has been contested is because it's mainly based in um, the male ideology of sperm and fertilization as opposed to looking at it as a complete whole as far as like the woman's role and, and et cetera. 
um, there was an article that was released last year called The Idea That Sperm Race to the Egg is Just Another Macho Myth. Um, and the author, Robert D. Martin, basically goes into um, conversation about how a lot of the things that we do, it goes into the history of the sperm and talks about how a lot of things that we believe concerning the sperm is really based in very male-centered um, beliefs. And one of the, and so when it comes to sperm wars, um, the, as far as the sperm being different from each other, that's actually just genetic mutations. The differences are, can, are not because they are trying to keep another man's sperm from entering. What's ha- what the studies or are, are evidence apparently are showing is that it's just v- different genetic variations that is in the sperm. So a healthy male, like I said before, 250 million sperm cells are in the semen and only 100 or so can make it to the actual um, fertilization site. And those are the ones who have complete genetic material. Um, So as far as like bloated, as far as like sperm that has like bloated heads or like coiled tails, those would actually be destroyed by the mucus because they're not complete they're not they're abnormal sperm Mm -hmm. so in order for it to be it's only perfect cells that actually make it to the fertilization site and that's based off of actually viewing what happens in the woman as uh, sperm is traveling through it which is something that is very relatively very new because we have it's been very difficult to um, study what happens inside of a woman but they're starting to see the what happens when sperm actually meets the egg it's actually it's even relatively new mm-hmm. that we re- learn that sperm and egg have to be fertile like the sperm has to fertilize the egg in order for it to yeah. create a human being Isn't it goes by like great. the 18th century so late you know this one aspect of it so so and what we're saying and what uchechi you know just basically said is that a lot of the things we attributed to sperm um, being in competition with another, we're saying that basically it's the woman's body selecting herself, so, selecting basically the, uh, yeah. selecting the egg and on a on a on a micro level, like you know, beyond a woman's even conscious awareness, her body is doing some things that um, allow for better sperm and dispel inferior sperm. Right, so. because the, the the body is going to take whatever cells, and we do this for for every single cell that is in our body we're going to take unless there's an an abnormality we're going to take the healthiest cells and then we're going to dispel the unhealthy ones we're going to dispel the abnormal ones our body is meant to survive and in order to create life it's going to take the most perfect part versions of it in order to create life which is why when things do go wrong the body will miscarry Mm, mm. so like in situations of polyspermy where too many sperms have fertilized one egg Mm -hmm. and now there's too many chromosomes the body will miscarry it um sometimes they'll carry the child sometimes you can carry this child to birth but these are usually children who end up not surviving past birth Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate but yeah the body will always find a way to try to uh survive over the fitness essentially yeah i actually think the woman's body is wired in some really interesting ways to give her options i mean we talked about this in a blood episode but the fact that like menstruation like people treat the blood like it's dirty but menstruation is a beautiful thing in the sense that unlike baboons or chimpanzees we don't have heat we don't have like our vulva doesn't swell up and turn bright red and signal you want to have sex 
nobody knows. We don't even know when we're ovulating. It's not regular for women. And that's a beautiful thing because that says like you can have sex at any time. And that says that and historically admit that we could potentially have sex with different men. So if a woman is in heat, it's possible for a man to be up on that woman 24-7 guarding her. To make sure, to make sure nobody else gets her. When you have concealed ovulation, you don't know when she's ovulating. She doesn't know when she's ovulating. She may be aroused by you. She may not be aroused by you. Now, not only do you kind of have to like stick around, but also you aren't necessarily going to be up on her 24-7 because you got to go out and do your survival things too. So our body is literally maneuvered not only to get men to stick around, but also to give us options with other men. And that's such a difficult, and I think that's why we place so much emphasis on the sperm as opposed to the woman, because it Mm -hmm. means that um, we take away the idea of options for women by placing so much emphasis on the vitality. So we need sperm. Of course. That's not being disputed. important. We love, we need it and we love it. However... This the competition behind it, the idea that you can stake your claim in the in the fertilization site mm-hmm. is kind of preposterous. <laughs> One thing I do will say, I think if there is a form of, form of sperm competition, it may be less at the sperm level and more at number one, the evolution of the female orgasm. Huh. Yeah, like people don't really still we still don't exactly understand why even women completely have them technically speaking we don't need them i think on the most basic level it motivates us to have sex like because look we can even get a hint of a pleasure out of it we'd be like look please roll up off of me but the cervix becomes more receptive when a woman has an orgasm no doubt and women have orgasm tend to have orgasms when they're more relaxed when the guy has spent time with foreplay lubricating her these are signs that this might be a better partner well, even so, but I think that also indicates just how much sex is just meant to not only be procreation for us, but mm-hmm. oh, mainly pleasurable. pleasurable and, because yeah. women are more likely to have orgasms with other women. Ooh, as opposed, yeah. Ooh, that's a that's ooh, we that's a whole nother yeah, a lot of uh, podcasts. Uh, yeah, yes. but women tend to are more ooh. likely to have orgasms with other women, uh, and I mean we can. I'm, we're not going to go into it, yeah. but like just simply, I guess a woman knows what a woman wants. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> more likely to take that time um, as opposed to uh, using sex as a tool of power. Mm-hmm. So uh, we so associate it with domination in this culture. Be But when you meet men who, well, now you have some men who even use the power of pleasure as a means of domination. Right. But I will say one more thing that I would say might be an example of sperm competition would even be the length of the penis. Like if you look at the Argentinian lake duck, and I haven't looked this up recently, there's so much competition for the men to get to the female um, ducks that they've evolved to have like a 27 inch on average penis. It's <laughs> a duck. So, so, so it's an example of sperm combat, not sperm competition in the sense of the sperm literally fighting, but just competition for access to women leading to, you know, these extreme formations due to uh, survival. But it's got a 27 inch penis. So if you look at the human penis, which is longer than the average primate penis is another example of potential um, sperm. Because it's trying to, so I know a lot of stuff I read because our human sperm has a shorter tail. Mm-hmm. And and so like and it also doesn't 
contrary to proper belief it does not swim straight mm-hmm. swims in circles it's like it's it, it's, it needs it, it needs the it mucus. needs help it needs help it needs direction <laughs> it needs the cervical mucus to get there it needs all the things <laughs> that women offer men day to day anyway the in order to kind of combat that mm-hmm. that's why the penis ends up being longer so the longer your mm-hmm. penis is the i mean not to say that this is not to say that shorter penises cannot impregnate women. Absolutely. They absolutely can. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying in terms of evolutionary um, um, evolutionary gain, yeah. a lot of times, like, this is the reason you make and when where one is lacking, like, you know, another part of our bodies will make up. Because I think in some animals, like you said, they have, like, uh, what the duck has, like, this 27-inch penis. Mm-hmm. But then there's animals that have, I think the chimpanzee has, like, a significantly long sperm tail mm. um, because it it doesn't one it has to block it utilizes sperm to actually plug up the woman's vagina once they've impregnated once they've uh, ejaculated in her mm. yeah and then two because there's a there's a longer um the reproductive tract is a little bit longer for them to get through so they need mm-hmm. the extra help Mm, so that's so interesting so where we lose so that's evolution works in the way that where you think you've lost you've you gained another gain. place yeah so which is why they say that it's like there's a particular sperm count number that you really need to have so if you have too much you cause more damage you cause deformities in the fertilized eggs if you have too little you probably won't ever fertilize an egg i love that that, that was a gr- i didn't know that we, we talked about that beforehand do you know what that count is 250 mil it's like about three in it, so in an ejaculate, in an basically. Ejaculate, so if yeah. you're doing too much, if you're doing too much, you're not you're actually doing nothing. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> it's, yeah, you're if you're doing too much, you're doing nothing. That's really fascinating. Okay, so from there, sperm competition. Oh, one thing I was gonna say, like we know early societies were polyandrous. And I mean, you can look at, I'm just saying this real quick because I feel like this is useful for for future podcasts, but you can look at the evolution of marriage and this obsession with controlling female sexuality with a means of taking away the power of our our, our body. Like our, our bodies are basically means of deception. You don't mm. know when we're ovulating. You really, before DNA test, weren't sure who's the, who the baby daddy was. Like, we have a very deceptive <laughs> female body that we can use to our advantage and we can use, you know, uh, particularly powerful. A man becomes a father through us. So you can look at that obsession of of, of marriage and making ensure, ensuring female fidelity, even though we don't really seem to care so much about male fidelity, uh, with this obsession of ensuring paternity and ensuring that you're the only sperm in this woman. Well, even historically, we've always used <coughs> sperm as a reason for not holding men to uh, commitment, mm-hmm. um, allowing them to be... Um, fruitful and multiply yes. so their wild oats even yes. though the reason you have so many is because most of them aren't working yeah and i feel like early societies like i said they're polyamorous men were impregnating multiple women but women were just also were also sleeping with multiple men because at the end of the day <clears throat> the body will take the healthiest sperm it's, exactly it's not gonna f- i mean they're like if you have, if there is a healthier sperm present, that's the one that's going to make it to the egg. It's just that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is why women can have children, for, can have twins from two different fathers because it, it really fraternal twins because um, it really just requires two very healthy. Sperm. That would be a draw. Yeah, it like, does not care where it comes from. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. If you are 
that connected with your body you can probably you can do your best to try and expel or not expel mm-hmm. i don't know the anxiety of like <laughs> i think the body and this is why i think like humans are emotional creatures and instinctive creatures primal creatures but our rational brain i think basically justifies our instinctive action mm-hmm. like i do th- i believe we do things instinctively and emotionally and then we use logic to be like that's why i did it mm. uh, <laughs> and i think a lot of sex has to do like the the humans at the end of the day we're here to pass on genes and survive everything we're doing is kind of behind that i think a lot of stuff a lot of the men we're drawn to the men we may have a better shot at having babies with a lot of it is happening subconsciously your body being like "Mm, that's some good gene yeah i definitely have Mm -hmm. always since like when i decided to have i was going to have children when i was like 21 have always made it clear that i want to have children with a particular type of man Mm -hmm. in order to because there's a particular way i I want my offspring to be Mm -hmm. athletic athletic also wait uh, (laughs) there's some studies that show like a woman so there's a couple reasons why it might be but there's some studies that show that a woman is more likely like number one to cheat around the time that she's fertile around the time she's ovulating which is interesting more options more options so it's literally a woman's body saying, "Let's let's get the, let's see let's see who's best." Um, but also, you know, you're probably going to be more uh, attracted to that fine man, regardless. He ain't no good. He might have some good genes. Yeah, and yeah. your body might be forsaking you. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, like the boo that you got at home, he might you know be your stable guy. But what around the time of your ovulation, your body might be like, ah, these genes over here. This is why I always. And this might be the episode that really upsets <laughs> a few people. Uh-oh. But this is why <laughs> I always tell women, do not date men that you are not attracted to. Yeah. Because there is, I mean, outside of pleasurable reasons, there's a reason why you're attracted to them. And it's usually for like, especially if you want to have children. Mm-hmm. This goes for anybody, whether you are heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual. Don't date somebody that you're not attracted to. Mm-hmm. It your body wants you to be pleasured mm-hmm. and who you are attracted to is pleasurable. So don't go against that because like society tells you that you need somebody who is stable or, you, I mean, you need, you do need somebody who's stable. Who is? Okay. But Ooh. I'm saying like, you don't have to bypass physical attraction mm-hmm. in order to, and not make yourself happy in order yeah. to fulfill things that aren't as high. We are this supposed list, and it's not yeah. really a list. It's more of like a, it's more of like a, a board. Yes, it's like a, it's like a, it's more of a pie. Yes, like a Venn diagram or something of the sort. <laughs> I don't know, but it's not as a, it's not a ladder of like okay, I check this thing off. There's a one, two, three. It's not like that. There are priorities, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, the man who can bring that, and he may not be Boris Kojo, but the man who or can Javante bring. Rose. The man who can bring that out of you, you know, the man who can who can give you an orgasm, the man that you feel comfortable, you feel sexy around, you're drawn to him, you're aroused by him. There are a lot of instances throughout history and just statistically speaking of women, your body is thinking beyond you. Your body has its own mind. So your body, you're you're having trying to have sex with your stable partner. And every month you're like, damn it, it's not happening. And that your body might consider that a success. Your body might be like, I don't really like these genes. And then here go boo over here from your ex from six years ago. And you hook up with him one night and boom, that's who baby it is. <laughs> your husband might not ever know, but your body said, 
these were better jeans and I really wanted it. Beyond you, a lot of the stuff is happening like subconsciously. This is deep. Also, like, and one of the things that that um, they say in sperm wars, but I think we know this. Like, when a couple has sex, I mean, that's why they say when you want to have a baby, stop having sex every single day. Just wait until your fertile time. You're having sex all the time. The guy is depleting some of his, um, I guess, sperm. Like, he's not giving you full loads every. If y'all y'all are having sex every single day, it's not like a full 250 million 250 million load. Right? Or I guess they're not. Because um, they say like you gotta save up. Like, you know, when you, when couples are trying to have a baby, they're like, don't have stop having sex every single day, mm. which is why, which is why if you cheat on your everyday boo, you may, they say, have a higher chance of actually getting pregnant because he is going to give you the full Monty. And then the everyday boo is giving you just a little to top it off. This is a mess. We need to move on. I know men are stressed right now. Pretty stressed. Let's, let's, let's make them a little bit more stressed because we'll move on to... um religion okay. okay so we touched on this a little bit in blood how early religions they we, we we worshiped women because we saw women um magically producing other people they could produce men and they could produce women so the idea is that like fatherhood is this actually kind of new concept mm-hmm. um and maybe about seven thousand years old and that it really comes to us with the advent of horticulture and so when you had kind of had these hunter gatherer societies yes mostly men but not all men hunted but it was this big risk big gamble op- um, activity most of the food supply was really coming from the plants that women gathered that was the stable we're sure we are going to eat tonight food supply and so women probably were the ones that kind of figured out that oh if we don't eat these seeds and we put them in the ground we will produce more Mm -hmm. so then comes horticulture but around the time of horticulture we start to make this connection oh seed in the ground come spring there's a new plant and we figured out that that seed was a lot like the seed that a man (laughs) produced and uh, at some time around the advent of horticulture we began to connect men with the process of siring children because until then we it was the ancestors it was the moon it was the wind it was what we didn't know how women produced these babies we, we weren't connecting it with with what men were pumping out and around that time also you get the you know so the advent of patriarchal societies and you know now that you've got agriculture you've got surplus you've got livestock you've got ownership you've got men wanting to assume leadership and if you're going to have men trying to assume leadership they want to legitimize that leadership and how do you do that? Well, you do that the way it's historically been done by saying, okay, I'm connected to some God or the ancestors. You want to legitimize it by connecting yourself to a deity, but all the deities were women. So now, and the male deities were pretty much minor because at that point, like in, in human history, if we don't connect men to producing other human beings, we're not going to really worship them like that. Mm-hmm. So now that we connect these men to bearing children and we now have sort of the onset of patriarchal societies and we have male leaders that really want to legitimize their leadership, now we see the myths are rewritten. And so we take it from these these um, mother goddesses, these creatresses, these goddesses of primordial fluid of water. And now we have these male deities that come along and the emphasis is on creation from clay, which is not a coincidence. This horticulture 
clay. Um, and that these gods that are so Zeus, for example, he swallowed Metis and he produced Athena from his like head. His head yeah. <laughs> um, and in Sumer, like once the Akkadians conquered Babylon and they kind of came along with a patriarchal society, they created this myth where they like dismembered the mother goddess. And Maduk was this small time like male deity who dismembers the mother goddess and takes parts of her body and creates the universe. So her breasts become the hills. It's like very graphic, gory, but essentially the discovery of sperm, this is what I'm saying, is essentially how we arrive at our religious traditions today, today and this yeah. idea of a male god creating humanity from clay. I mean, um, even in ancient Mesopotamia, the god Enki was known as the lord of semen, and he was known as a source of water, plants, and other gods via his emissions. And as I'm reading this, I'm considering, and I'm saying this, I'm considering how many of this was rewritten and how much of this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, after you talk about like how the onset of understanding or seeing semen basically mm-hmm. rewrote our history from something that was very feminine to now introduce something that was more masculine instead of balancing out the, instead of what semen should have done was balance out the act. Yes. The Indian creator god Brahma formed himself out of his own semen and then went on to create the world from his semen. The idea, <laughs> and this is funny because semen uh, um, is not necessarily super liquidy, but it has that consistency that does remind you of of really wet clay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Um, yeah. And then also, so this is the the one of the most interesting things I think I found when I was uh, researching was that the strong history it has in Egyptian myths, yeah. um, namely semen battles, mm. which is probably where we get the idea of sperm wars. Mm, please um, explain. So between Seth, mm-hmm. the god of chaos, disorder, and violence, mm-hmm. and foreigners, interestingly enough, and Horus, who was like the symbol of kinship, and usually the sitting pharaoh is considered to be Horus. There were two male gods. Seth tried to... Uh, seduce Horus but didn't succeed Mm. Um, Horus throws Seth's semen back at him it's a lot of missing holes in that story but you know Um, (laughs) like what was they doing and so (laughs) apparently there's this like battle of like sperm being thrown at each other and basically the, 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 the point is is for somebody to actually ingest the sperm um, and Horace ends up winning because he ends up getting Seth to quote unquote swallow his sperm after being tricked into eating lettuce that was smeared with his semen. And that's how he ended up winning. And Seth ends up having to wear this golden disc of sperm around his head as a form of shame for losing this battle. And this is a new gym. I never heard this is a gym. I was blown Ooh. away by that, but it's apparently a very like it's a it's it's where they this is not an uncommon thing. Uh-huh. And it was basically like whoever ingested the sperm was the loser. And it really and it made me think about Yeah, today. go ahead. Yep, go on ahead. <laughs> That's perfect segue. Um, basically how we if we enter into modern times mm-hmm. and how um the, the the person of dominance is the one feeding 
the sperm um, mm-hmm. or who is the person who is in a submissive situation, particularly even in positioning. If you watch porn, a lot of times the woman is in a kneeling position. The man is in a standing position mm-hmm. with a penis in hand over her face, over her mouth, over her body yes. and ejaculating, basically, quote unquote, spitting on her body with his penis yes um or not only any this even occurs in in non-heterosexual relationships as well too when they want to create a form of dominance and submissive Mm -hmm. submission and so like it's really interesting how there is actual an actual trail of someone being the loser Mm -hmm. when they have semen released upon them it's almost an act of i hate to say shame but it is almost meant to like belittle and and reinforce these like sex as an act of male domination right and even when you watch when this is i was having a discussion about how i am disturbed by a lot of porn because i can't really like i don't want to masturbate so this is what i'm about to do too much right now i don't want to masturbate to seeing a woman look like she's uncomfortable and like being pillaged and having something forced down her throat and then like come on her face and she can't see out of her eye and it's all like i that might be a male fantasy the gagging and the but that is not like that does not arouse me but I think in our Western Western society, number one, we tend to orient sex around the phallus. It's sex yes. is very phallus centered. Like when the man is erect, it begins. When he explodes and it lands on your forehead, it's over. Like that is sex. <laughs> Which is a great segue into yes. how the idea of the money shot came to be in porn. Please. Um, in 1972. So prior to 1972, um, porn was a pretty softcore. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of men ejaculating on screen was not happening it was not common it was still still seen as pretty crude um unsightly it wasn't something that was arousing to other men Mm. um Mm. and then in 1972 there was a porno called deep throat and this porno was about a woman whose clitoris was the back of her throat therefore requiring giving fellatio in order to receive pleasure which men wish anyway which is an interesting place to place to click but sure yes um and in this porno this woman this man um ejaculated on screen we don't know where he ejaculates we just know that it happens on screen Mm -hmm. if you've ever watched this particular porno just let us know what exactly happens because i'm not gonna look for it (laughs) um (laughs) and so like he and then it's you know it's a poor shot of course and because it's there's fireworks that's accompanying that accompanies it and all this extra things that's so 1970s (laughs) but from then on it became a thing to signify the end of the porno was Mm -hmm. when the man would ejaculate so during the 1990s the porn industry shifted from should we come on camera to where do we come on camera Mm. and it became facial shots became the the norm Mm -hmm. and a lot of female porn stars were they didn't have an issue with it but what the issue became was that so the thing with facial shots is that it be, it was more of a spectacle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that it was necessarily arousing, but it was more of like, oh, we've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. To have a woman have male semen all over her face or mm-hmm. all over her breast, um, coming down her throat or, you know, spilling out her mouth. These were things that were just like seemed so shocking. Mm-hmm. And the shock was more where the pleasure was from. So you have the f- female porn stars who are like, 
I'm okay with it, but my issue is that we're centering the pleasure around this release. Yes. And I'm almost, and this is kind of where the ideology of like, come buckets, come receptacles. Yeah. You know, come dumpsters, come dumpsters, pound cake, like all, all the, the terrible terms. Right. Because what it does, it's basically stripping a woman of all of her. Her bodily functions, all yes. of her, be, and and one of the reasons that they say that this is this happens is because we can't physically see when a woman, like you know, unless she's a squirter, we can't see her physically. Like, like you can't you know, see her shaking. You okay. can't see her physically. There's no right, physical <laughs> emission, right. and so like you know, that's where they're. That's how they excuse. Yes, you know, well, we somebody has to show on screen what's happening or whatever yes. like that. Um, which which is why a lot of women are uncomfortable because it really reduces women to just a bucket for semen absolutely and i think that reflects the western perception of sex like mm-hmm. you know, like it, it means to go back to it being centering around the male penis and male pleasure you're t- depriving women from agency and reinforcing the idea that she's there purely as a vehicle of pleasure to get the man off and what she's experiencing and what she's enduring is really relevant oh this is why like i said women are more likely to have orgasms with other women and mm-hmm. women are also more likely to be aroused by i mean there are studies that show that women tend to be aroused by various versions of porn, but mm-hmm. lesbian porn is porn that they are most aroused by simply That's because they are centered in it. I'm going to be honest that when I do watch porn with men and women, I'm equally turned on. Like, not in the sense that I feel like I'm attracted to the woman, but I do feel like her body is more interesting and right. watching her experience pleasure is pleasurable for me versus watching her gag and look abused is i know for some men that's the fantasy but it's like terrible but also you know you know we think about penis envy and a lot of uh psychologists have given a lot of uh thought to penis envy but i a lot of times think about womb envy and Mm. the idea that even once men figured out that sperm is has a role in procreation they have a role in procreation and yes we are half of our fathers but the role is still so small because when a baby gets here it's due to an a quick event that happened 280 days ago and this one little sperm and it may or may not be yours like until like very recent you didn't even know if it was yours and so to a certain extent i almost feel like the fascination with with sperm and the fascination even just with talking about our 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 religious culture and mythology and this emphasis on kind of depriving the woman of that right and that power of of giving birth of having that that dominant role in in the birthing process and in the incubation process and even just her prowess like what her body does and is capable of doing Mm -hmm. like i think a lot of it is designed to sort of like resent that if you will, mm. almost woman be. We've said this before. We said this in the in the blood episode where, and we probably said this in stiletto. Um, and it's probably going to be continuous <laughs> a continuous theme. Yes, that men tend to have a jealousy concerning women. One because we they don't understand women, so you there's fear a what fear. You don't understand. Um, and then there are things that women can do that they can never do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which is also scary as well too especially in a society that tells you that they are not your equal yeah absolutely so 
Uchachi, would you like to do gratitude? Yes, after that. Have we have we have we thoroughly rinsed that out? I mean, we, the only thing have we can we throw in, out the yeah. the, the comrade? Yes. yes. Yeah, the only thing we can say is shout out to Issa and I hope your eyes feeling good. I know. <laughs> If you are ever looking for a great representation of come clear eyes, you know, <laughs> season two, episode six, hella blows. Hella blows. <laughs> Boom. Um, okay. So gratitude. Um, so this week I want to give a shout out to all of the people who consistently and constantly talk about how much they love our voices. Uh-huh. That blows me away. Um, thank y'all. Yes. Um, yeah, I said this on my Instagram, but it's it's really interesting that not only people love what we say and what we do, um, they also find us pleasant to listen to. And mm-hmm. I think that's like a great bonus. And especially when you're in something that there's very few, there's very little visuals and it's yes. really your voice and nobody's saying, oh my God, their voices are so aggravating. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. You know, they really enjoy it. They really love it. So thank you. Yeah, we're very grateful for that. And I am grateful for the 968th time that the monogamy is for broke men <laughs> video clip. Specifically, no, I don't know, but oh it probably is something about that. It literally goes viral like every other week. What did I say specifically? Monogamy is a way that we can ensure that average Joes get to get married too. And I just want to say something. I'm grateful for it going viral many times because obviously I, I it, it introduces new people to the grapevine right. and to my theories. Um, but also, I would like to just clarify for all of the men that um, feel like they should be in my mentions talking about, but women have to be beautiful too. Uh, if there was polygamy and the wealthiest men had four wives each, that means that would ensure that there was a class of men who were involuntarily celibate, unmarried, and very very unhappy and beautiful or ugly they would not have access to any so please i love you for sharing the clip but just choose a different rebuttal because that one doesn't work no it doesn't <laughs> i mean and you can go into societies that still perform polygamy and it's clear it's evident who Yes, and these are very, that's one of the reasons why in the West we do have um, monogamy, because not only are we kind of having affirmative action for men, everybody gets a shot at having a woman and a wife and having sex, but also we are protecting the institutions created by men with peace, relative peace, because societies with polygamy are very unstable. Men who are not getting sex on a regular basis and can't get married tend to be very unhappy men. <laughs> big facts. Big facts. Yes. Big facts. Y'all, thanks for listening today. Yes. Thanks for sticking through this episode. It's it, it is a lot. <laughs> um if you if your sensitivities were insulted, we I'm so sorry. But the, we're here to teach, we're here to learn about any and everything, including yes. sperm and cum shots and all that great stuff. And we love you. Um watch a porno or yes. not. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I enjoy say sex. It. I enjoy say it. Enjoy semen. Enjoy in it. In any which way you want it. Mm-hmm. You know? It is a beautiful thing, guys. We respect you and we respect your role in, in fatherhood and all that stuff. But, you know, we just don't want it in our eye. Right. <laughs> and women enjoy your orgasms. 
Demand it. Demand it. And if you can't get one from a guy, mm, your body's trying to tell you something. And sex does not end when he ejaculates. Let's also... Sex does not end when he ejaculates. If he's done and you haven't come, he has a tongue. He has a mouth. (laughs) And with that, you can find us on Instagram at Inside the Pink Podcast. Um, Tag us, hashtag Inside the Pink or hashtag Inside the Pink Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, email us with your thoughts, concerns um, on inside the pink podcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening to us on any of your podcast streaming apps, please comment, stream, like comment, share, um, rate us, rate us. subscribe, yes. mm-hmm. that helps, you know, all just and give us all the good love and all the good energy and all the blessings that you can. And with that, you know, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Peace and love, guys. Bye, y'all.